Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Higher Battle Podcast. I am so happy you're here. Today's episode is actually the last episode that we will be having a guest on season two, and we have the lovely Cassidy with us today, and I am just so excited to talk to her about pornography and fighting that temptation and that addiction and her journey through that and I wanted to bring on someone who had experience with this who has with the Lord overcome it and I know this was requested by some of you this topic so I'm just so excited to have someone here today to talk about it but Cassie is incredible she has her own ministry all one ministry So make sure that you guys go check out all of her socials and all the amazing projects and things she's doing. So hi, Cassie. Do you want to tell the audience just a little bit about yourself and anything you want them to know kind of before we dive into this topic? Yes. So my name is Cassidy. I kind of came to fame, if you will, somewhat on TikTok a few years ago. Um, funny enough, I came to fame a little bit because of my web toes. People thought that was crazy. And so I started getting followers. And then lo and behold, I posted about like my Bible or something one day and that video blew up and God has used like one of the biggest insecurities about my body to like bring more people like to my platform and then bring more people to him ultimately. And it's been the biggest blessing. Um, and along the way, I've learned to open up about my testimony and learn that my testimony is not mine. It's not like, you know, something that I need to be ashamed of sharing about, but instead it's God's penmanship and it's something that he took time to um, be the author of. And it's nothing I need to be ashamed of or guilty of. It's something I need to walk in freedom from. And that's just kind of been my heart lately. And what I'm um, really passionate about talking about is freedom for sure. And we hear it in Galatians all the time is, um, we were called to be free, and it's not about our flesh, but it's about serving one another and serving God. So that's kind of where my heart's been lately. That's so good. So how did you find that confidence and, like, trust God and find that strength from him to share your story, maybe if it's been painful and heavy? Um, I think it, the first time that I ever kind of got the confidence um, about talking about my testimony was I opened up about it on TikTok first. Because Instagram, like, I know there's some people out there that are, like, kind of scared about sharing either their testimony or their face, whatever it may be on social media. And Instagram was where all my high school friends followed me on. And so that was like the last social media on my list to post out my face on. And so I kind of used TikTok because it was like random people, like nobody from high school followed me until one day everybody did. And I was like, well, there's no going back now. But um, I posted about something about pornography one day and it was something super small it was like probably last year during quarantine and one girl um, and this is before like I opened up about my whole story one girl dm'd me on instagram and she was like I just wanted you to know that I follow you on tiktok and I saw that video and like you changed my entire perspective over it and I'm less alone and I'm actually going to go to therapy and I started praying again to god and like that one conversation via dm changed everything because it was like I would rather help one person than keep this to myself and harm somebody else's healing process. And so if there's one that I can help out there with my story and um, and something I used to be so ashamed of, but now, you know, like I said earlier, I'm kind of just walking in the freedom that the Lord's given me from it. And there's one person I can help. It's worth sharing. So that's kind of my mentality about it. And it's not really mine to take credit of and, some people are like, oh my gosh, I feel like a lot of shame from this. Or I feel so disgusting and people are going to be so embarrassed of me. But like it came down to it where it's like, it's not even my story to begin with. So like, 
why why am I being embarrassed of something that's not even mine? Like if they find offense to it, if they find it disgusting or whatever, like take it up with the author. Like it has nothing to do with me, you know? Yeah. That is a that's an amazing mentality because we really do get stuck in that like personal mindset of our story of like it's my story and or it's like too painful or you're ashamed of it, but it's like like you said God gave you this story and he helped you through this journey and now you're able to help other women and just other people figure out how to navigate this as well and turn to the Lord in that and then you're even validating like their stories that they have stories that they need to share to help others as well so I think that's just that's such like a beautiful process yeah and it's even like the whole movement about like sharing my truth and making sure like my truth gets heard i think so many people get hurt in the process of trying to defend their truth when we were only supposed to defend the truth like and we shouldn't even be defending like the truth anyways because the bible can stand by itself like we don't like god doesn't need us to defend him like he is the defender and i think like that's where the line has been crossed of like people sharing their stories and like in being embarrassed or having like some kind of guilt or shame or being nervous about sharing it because it's their story or, you know, whatever, but it was never our story to begin with. And it's all about bringing him glory. And the whole thing about like my truth and all of that, like it points back to the truth because we come from God and, you know, the Bible is God breathed and God written. And so um, when it comes back to that, it's like we shouldn't be sharing our truth or our whatever, our story, but we should be sharing what God's done in our life. And that's basically what, you know, the word is. Yeah. So for you to get to the point where you felt comfortable in sharing your story, did you have to go through like a process of healing and really like discovering God's love for you before you were able to share? I definitely went through healing. I figured out very quickly that in order to share my story, you know, thousands of times throughout the week, I would have to be healed from what I was speaking about. Um, And there are some things in my testimony that I held out on, like, you know, the whole pornography thing. I shared testimonies, you know, throughout the years of different things about my life, but I've held on to that as like a secret because I was never really like truly healed from it until just a few years ago. And I think, from, like, coming from somebody who's dealt with that, like, you have to be fully healed before you can start talking about it, because when you're not healed from something like that, that has such chains around you, and, um, like, you know, like, you're bonded to it, and you're chained to it, it's very easy for the enemy to lure you back into that. And even talking, I know there's a few years ago when I was, like, on the brink of being healed and trying to, you know, get healing and, um, and recovery from it. I was talking to one of my friends and I was like, yeah, I really, I I feel really bad with pornography and everything. And as soon as I got home, I relapsed from like just a few weeks of being clean. And I realized I wasn't at the stage to be able to be talking about it to other people yet. I needed to do that internal healing with the Lord first. Um, And from there, it's just come from a place of like, I have to know that like the Lord's going to defend me from all the hate comments. You're on TikTok, you're on social media, you know, people can be so rude and whenever I started sharing my story, once I, once I, you know, received healing from the Lord, it was like all of these people's opinions of me, like, struck me harder than I thought they would. Um, like, the comments of saying, like, guys only deal with that, you're a pervert, or, you know, things along that nature were really hurtful to me. And I kind of, like, had to take a step back, and I was like, what do I believe? Like, yes, I walked through these things. I know what I did is true. I know, you know, all of those things that I did were bad, but like, does that really make me what they're calling me? 
And I had to come to terms with, like, that's not what I was born to be. That's not what I have been adopted into God's kingdom as. Like, I'm a daughter. I'm, you know, born again. I'm born free. And every day I have to wake up with that mentality. Like, yes, I was bonded and and, um, chained to all of these sins in my past, but I'm free today and I can walk out in that freedom. And it's definitely a process. For me, it was about, like, probably six months to a year. But people, you know, everybody's story is different of healing. And so, um I mean, it's not, it's definitely not an overnight thing for sure. It's something that, you know, you just have to start the process and be consistent with and invite the Lord to do it with you, or you're going to get nowhere fast if you're not doing it with the Lord. Yeah. I love that you brought up that you realized you weren't in a place to help others until you allowed God to bring you through that healing. Because I think a lot of times, we try to give advice before we kind of have that humble moment in front of the Lord and allow him to start that process. So I think it really just speaks of your relationship with the Lord and how when you're sharing your story now and when you're giving people advice on social media and in real life that it's coming from a true place, Christ-centered place. So I Mm -hmm. think that's that's really incredible. When it comes, because you mentioned like relapsing, how like what are your action steps to change the habits or like what do you find yourself doing to like help you stop that sin cycle and and continue to stay out of it so there was probably a few months worth of a period where I was like okay every day I'm I'm feeling the extreme temptation and I was in I don't I think I was in the beginning of ministry school when these were going on these temptations were going on and it's so funny how like when you start pursuing and walking out what the Lord has for you, the enemy is like the strongest he's ever been and the most loud he's ever been because he's trying to distract you from the path that you're meant to be walking on. And um, he was just really tempting me these like few months. And I came to a place where I was relapsing probably uh, once or twice a month. And I just came to a place where I was like, Lord, I can't do this anymore. Like I need, you know, deliverance from this and healing from this. I need to go back into recovery from this, but also like I need actual steps that will get me out of like, you can't sit there in front of a laptop and say, you know, like, I don't want to watch this today and then open a tab and go watch it or open a tab and scroll on social media and go from like one thing to the next thing. And it leads you down this rabbit hole of you falling short. Like you have to make that decision for yourself. And I came to a place where I was like, my relationships in my life are not going to work out if I keep watching me this, you know, these videos and stuff. Um, yep. The friendships in my life are going to fail. My relationship with the Lord, like, it's pushing me farther and farther from the Lord, and that's the last thing that I wanted. And so the action steps for me look like plugging my phone in in a different room at night to make sure that I wouldn't, you know, just pick it up and start scrolling and get lost in the middle of the night. Um, another action step look like integrating the Lord in everything that I did during the day to make sure I didn't have room to stumble. And so what that looked like was waking up, doing my devotion, spending time with the Lord, going to school on the way to school, listening to worship music. When I got to school, which I go to a ministry school, so, like, it's kind of easy to be surrounded by the Lord, but also it's very easy to neglect that. Um, in ministry school, you're surrounded by Christians. You're surrounded by, um, you know, professors of the faith and stuff like that. And it's very easy to get caught up and be like, yeah, I'm spending time with the Lord. I go to ministry school. But if you're not spending time with him one-on-one and in the word every day and in prayer and worship every day, you're not really spending time with him. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's very important to make sure that you're prioritizing that. And so when I get home, I would just make sure that I was playing worship music and 
when those temptations came up, I would make sure that I battled them with things of the word and with things of worship and with things of praise. And another step that I took was like, when I got tempted, I praised and I was thankful and I was grateful. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I started praising God, thanking God, like being grateful for everything in my life, all those temptations faded because I was just so in awe of what everything God did and has Mm -hmm. done and will do. So just making sure that like you for me, it was just setting a reminder daily to like set my set my you know thoughts and my mind on things above rather than on my flesh, and making sure that everything that I did was to serve Him and His kingdom and His people rather than to serve myself, um, because I should come last everything here, you know. Yeah. So it really took you doing things like you had to actively make sure you weren't allowing yourself to be in situations where you could stumble, and I think a lot of people they pray about it and they're like, okay, God, help me to not be tempted, whatever. And that's the extent to it. And yes, prayer helps, but I love that you have action plans that are very doable and that you can do these things every day. And it's like a team effort with God. Like you battle the temptation with the strength of the Lord, but you're also doing these active steps to also help yourself out. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with, like, mental health and anxiety for the longest time. So a few years ago when I moved from Texas to Florida, I was diagnosed with extreme panic and anxiety disorder. And mm-hmm. I couldn't – I didn't leave the house. I had agoraphobia. Like, I didn't leave the house for, like, a month. I just stayed in my room. And it was one of the worst times in my life. But one of the things that I learned was I couldn't wake up in the morning and pray my anxiety away. Like, that just didn't happen. And for so many people, Christians especially, they told me, like, Um, well, you just need to wake up and pray. Like, you're praying wrong. You're not reading the word enough. And that, like, ruined my relationship with God for, like, almost a year because it made me feel like I wasn't good enough or I wasn't doing something right or God didn't love me enough when, in reality, I wasn't taking the steps that I needed to properly heal from anxiety. And that whole, like, action step thing that we were just talking about, like, for me, that looked like signing myself up for therapy, which actually therapy, like, heals a lot more than what you actually go to therapy for, which is crazy. I was going to therapy for probably three weeks in, and the lady looked at me, and she was like, do you struggle with pornography or have you in the past? And I was like, okay, what? Like, I was here for anxiety and panic, and now I'm telling you about pornography, and now I'm telling you about all my dad issues. Like, it's just crazy. Um, And so, therapy was one of the steps that I had to take medication and, and, um, and CBD and stuff like that. That's something that I had to start doing. Like I just couldn't wake up and wish that my anxiety was better and throw myself a huge pity party and not actually do anything for myself to do it. You know, like it all starts with you. And if the Lord is not ready, like maybe healing isn't even in your story. Like that's one of the things I had to come to terms with eventually was like, everybody's out here getting healing, but like, you know, the lady with the blood disorder in the Bible, like, she waited seven years to experience healing, and it's because she touched Jesus' robe. I'm like, she did that. That was her action step. And there's a long process and a long wait before that, and I think that's, like, an example to us as Christians, you know. Like, we can wait a very long time before, like, the blessings of the Lord come to us, but also, like, we have to take those action steps to get healed sometimes, you know. Yeah, it's so sad when people are shamed for doing things beyond just praying about what they're going through because like you said it can be so helpful and the therapists and the doctors and things like that they're resources that God has blessed us with and that we can take that action step to meet with them and do like what you said do what you need to do and it doesn't mean you just can't pray at all but 
he gives us all these resources and ways that we can help ourselves. Yeah. And to think, like, I've heard so many Christians, even on social media this past year during quarantine and stuff, like, they were shaming doctors and, like, all these things. And it's funny to me, like, where do you think doctors came from? Like, do you think they just appeared one day? Do you think, like, they were brought here by another, like, alien source? Like, they were made and, like, made for a purpose by the Lord to help us. Um, And the Lord uses doctors to heal, to help, to serve. And it's just crazy to me how people are like, yeah, but, like, doctors is believing that God, like, won't help you or God cannot heal you. Yes, but also, like, God used other forms of healing in the Bible, and he will also in today's culture and society with humans. So, I don't know. That's a crazy thought. Yeah. I think about that all the time. Even when I'm giving advice, like, I'll get DMs about people who are struggling with anxiety and things like that, and I will never not tell them to go get help if they need it. Because it's just, mm-hmm. it would be so sad to be the person that, like, stands in the way of them going to get actual help they need just by saying, oh, I'll pray for it. That's it. You know? Yeah. And even on social media, I saw, I think this was a few weeks ago, this Christian girl, she was like, I've been healed from anxiety. Like, made this whole entire long post about it. And she was, like, so excited. And she was, like, just saying in the comment or in, like, the caption, she was, like, I've been healed from anxiety. The Lord works in miraculous ways, everything. And she ended up sending me a DM, like, a few years ago. And she asked, like, how I was doing with struggling with anxiety. And I never saw it until just a few, I think it was just a few months ago. And I Mm -hmm. saw it, and I, like, jumped her back. And I was, like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry I didn't see this. Like, it looks like the Lord did, like, a great miracle. I'm so excited. Like, I'll be praying for you. And she was like, yeah, it's so great. I went to go see a doctor, and I got on medication, and it really helped. And I was like, why did you not disclose that in your caption? Like, you're leading these people to believe that God did this big miracle, which he did, but he did it by using a doctor and using medication to help her. And it was just like, it was crazy to me that these people are like, because I was was blindsided by that, too. I was like, oh, my gosh, these people are saying that God healed them from anxiety, but, like, they aren't disclosing that they use medication and CBD and all these things to help them. And so I'm like, maybe I'm praying wrong. Maybe I have the wrong translation of the Bible. Like maybe yeah. I'm like off some, you know, and it's just like, I don't, I would hate to be that person that doesn't like give the full story of like what God actually did and what I actually did to get help rather than just, you know, sharing the highlights, you know? Definitely. So I'm really glad you talked about your action steps and Going back to pornography, what is a piece of advice you think you would give someone who's struggling with that addiction specifically? Well, I think for myself, if I was still in the shoes of, you know, struggling with it, um, I would bring up two things. One, I'd bring up Galatians 5.13. I touched on it earlier, so I'll go ahead and read the full thing. It says, for you are called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. And I think when we as Christians become saved and you're struggling with pornography, it's that side of the flesh, right? Like you're fighting off your desires, you're fighting off, um, you know, this temptation from the devil, which at the root of it, at the root of the struggle with pornography, it's the enemy trying to feed you the lie that what God has for you in the future isn't good enough. So you need to rely on this for now to satisfy yourself. It's Mm -hmm. also, you believe of you know what Satan's telling you of um, if you watch this like you'll be satisfied and I know God's been holding something out on you I can feel it and so just watch this and you're gonna feel so good after it but what he doesn't tell you is a you're fueling the human trafficking industry like people like girls are being abused and drugged and 
um, all of these, like, sexually exploited, all of these harmful and just disgusting things because of the demand of pornography. And so to think, like, it's not hurting anyone. I'm just going to go watch it. Like, not only are you hurting yourself, but you're also hurting others in the process. And the enemy likes to convince us that, like, it's just, it's not, it's not a harmful thing. It's just to pleasure yourself. But it's bringing nobody pleasure in the end. And as, you know, a walking example, I've dealt with, like I said, anxiety and panic disorder. I've dealt with um, body image issues, eating disorders, um, a lot, a lot of mental health issues that go way past, um, you know, anxiety and panic. I've had intimacy issues, commitment issues, and so think that pornography doesn't do anything to you if you're watching it. Think about this. When you go from video, this is something that I had to, like, put into perspective. When you go from video to video to video, your brain is automatically becoming accustomed and normalizing the fact that you get bored by one thing, so you move on to the next, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when you're in a relationship, you're not supposed to move on to the next, to the next, to the next. Like, that's, it's, you're supposed to be committed. And so yeah. you start to install normalize these commitment issues and relationships and so that it doesn't just go towards earthly relationships like that goes towards heavenly ones too and so when you start to apply that to the way that your relationship looks like with the Lord when you get bored with the Lord when you haven't heard him in a long time and you can't see God in your life you start to go from thing to thing to thing to fulfill you because you believe that he hasn't been fulfilling you this whole time and so I think that's what become a little blindsided by a pornography and it has millions of other, you know, um, brain studies where you're losing brain matter and all the other crazy things that you can look up and see that are affecting you. But pornography is basically an idol. It is. And for decades, you know, it's been proven that it does worse damage to your brain than drugs do. And to say that doesn't affect you, like that's crazy, you know? Um, And Honestly, when we look at the verse of Galatians 5.13, like, in your life, is this doing anything for the kingdom? I think that would be the biggest piece of advice or, or thing that I would tell anybody struggling with it is, like, is this bringing you joy watching this? Is this doing anything for the kingdom? Instead, it's increasing the demand of pornography, which is increasing the demand of girls being trafficked. And um, the human trafficking industry, you know, demand is increasing because of your clicks and watches and views and everything on these sites. And you know, when it boils down to it, like, you're not serving one another through love, you're serving one another through something that's the opposite of freedom, like the opposite of what the Lord brings us in salvation. And so um, that's just, I don't know, I could go on and on. But those are just some of the things I had to come to terms with is like, not only am I supporting human trafficking, but I'm also like deteriorating my mental health and my relationships, you know, earthly and heavenly. So before you were able to realize that and realize that you needed to take a step back and reflect on those things, did you, do you think you had like a stable relationship with the Lord first? Yes, I definitely did. I served God throughout like youth ministry for about three years in high school. And I was on like the leadership team. I was doing everything right. Um, I was a goody two shoes. I didn't get in any trouble. I didn't do anything. I didn't go to parties. Like I wasn't really invited. So like I didn't really have that opportunity. Um, but everybody knew me like as a goody two shoes Christian in high school and everything just because I spent my whole time, basically all my free time in church and in the youth group and everything. And so throughout, you know, all those years, like I was still battling a pornography addiction, but I was super close to God. And it wasn't until, um, there's also a series on YouTube by Michael Todd and it's, uh, the, the pursuit of pornography or something along those lines. And if you're struggling with it and you're a Christian, you need to go watch it because it exposes it left and right. It's so good. And it wasn't until I watched that that I was like, 
oh my gosh, like this is deteriorating everything around me. Like this is why my life is kind of falling apart and I feel like I'm going crazy because it's making me go crazy, you know? Um, and sometimes like the enemy disguises things that like brings us fleshly pleasure because he knows that it will destroy us in the end. Hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I'm also happy you said that because I think that's a common thing that people don't understand is that you can be a Christian and you can have a close relationship with Jesus and still have a hard time with something or like a sin or because I know with me whenever I find myself in that sin cycle God is almost entirely separate from that section of my life at that time so it's like it's crazy to think oh I have a great relationship with Jesus aside from this one thing but I would completely agree with you that you have to be so I guess in tune with your relationship with Christ to finally be like, yep, I need to be set free from this other area. Like, Jesus, please come into this other aspect of my life. And you have to, I also completely agree that you kind of really have to take that step back and ask yourself the hard questions. Yeah, and like you were saying, like, when you're so in tune with your relationship with God, that means you're in the Word. And when you're in the Word, it means you're learning more about God's character. And whatever doesn't line up with God's character means you probably shouldn't be involved with it, doing it, you know, whatsoever. And yeah. I was even, I was to talk this morning and I saw a video and somebody was talking about like, should Christians cuss? And it's a huge controversial thing. But to me, what it boils down to is Romans twelve twelve: do not be conformed to this world. And yeah. I read study Bible commentaries on it recently. I've been studying on it and just mulling over it. And one of them is, it says, do not copy the behaviors and custom, customs of the world. And so when we talk about cussing, when we talk about pornography, when we talk about, you know, all these things that the media, that culture and society today promote, that's of the world. And so when we copy those things, it's hard for others to be able to see God in us because we look so much like the world. And, like, how yeah. are we supposed to be an influence for the kingdom when we blend in with the world and with the earth, you know? And the same thing goes for pornography and the same thing goes for, you know, all the things. Like, when you're in the Word and you're reading, you know, oh, my gosh, like, God calls us to be free, but... I'm enslaved to pornography where I have to watch it as soon as I get tempted. That's crazy. Well, that's crazy yeah. because it's you're being enslaved to that, you know, like you, pornography isn't your idol like the Lord is. And so um, I think as soon as you get in tune with the Lord and in tune in his word, like you can't deny your, like you cannot deny your sins anymore. Like they're going to come to light. You're going to be like really unsettled about it. And when that unsettlement happens, it's going to be like such a good sanctification process because you're just becoming more and more like Jesus. You give up those sins. It's like the best uncomfortable moment ever. <laughs> yeah. Some people say, like, it's uncomfortable shame, but I don't really like to use that word, but it's like, it's a good type of guilt. Like, it's like, dang, I shouldn't have done that. And then the next time you remember it and you're like, ooh, I felt guilty that time, so I'm not going to do it again. And it's like, literally bingo, like, that's the good type of guilt everybody needs, you know? Would you want to tell us a little bit, of mo a little bit more about, because are you the founder of All One Ministry? I am. I co-founded it with one of my friends in high school. Yeah, so what is All One Ministry, and how did you feel called to start that? So I started All One Ministry when it was formerly known as Alpha Omega Girls, and I was in community college in Texas, and I decided to start like a Christian sorority because the college I was attending didn't have anything like that. And we had about 13 girls, and we like banded together, we made t-shirts and everything, 
And I was like, this is so sick. It's going to be so cool. Like, we're going to be a little Christian group and everything. And then I went home, like, one of the first meetings that we had, I came home, and my mom was like, we're moving to Florida. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, I spent all the money starting this. And so we moved, and I just kind of gave it up for a while because I was kind of mad, honestly. I was like, whatever. Like, I'm just going to put that to the side. And it wasn't until one summer, I believe it was 2020 summer, so I guess quarantine, I got on TikTok, and I was like, what if I just, like, made a video about Alpha Omega and just invited girls, like, whoever wanted to join, would join. And I was, like, picturing and averaging about, like, 30 in my head. And I was with the time that I started it with, and I was like, I think 30 is a good idea. And she was like, maybe 20. Like, I don't think you should get your hopes up. I made a video about it to bed, woke up in the morning, and there was over a 1,000 DMs that I had in my Instagram, and over 3,000 girls joined. And I was like, I'm sorry. Okay, we started off as 13, and now we're 3,000, and I ain't got a clue what to do. Like, I'm not prepared. I'm in a shoe school. I ain't got a clue. And so we got some of our friends that we started it with that were still, um, you know, interested in doing it, and we made a little leadership team. And from there, we've just kept on growing it, and we're at, like, I believe 3,000 to 4,000 girls have joined now. And we are just now in the process of becoming a legal 501c3 nonprofit. And it's a process for sure. Like these documents, you would think they're easy to get a hold of, you know, like who's out there like, you know, being crazy about starting a nonprofit. Apparently a lot of people, because we're not getting ours like fully accepted until like next year. So whoever's on the list before us, thanks. Um, but it's been such a process and something that Lord's put on our hearts and um and basically our whole like motto is based on Galatians three twenty eight, which says, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs to the promise. Now I say as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, but he is the owner of everything. And then you go up a few verses and it says there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so we just invite all girls to sit at one table. And through that, through that verse, we're trying to help um, girls that are leaving the trafficking industry and help them with the resources that they need. And so in the future, we'd love to, like, band together, raise money and stuff to support these girls and to give them, you know, shampoo, conditioner, body wash, you know, food, vegetables, whatever that they need. Um, but like I said, it's going to be a process until we get there, but that's just where our hearts are and helping girls come out of that industry and come out of trafficking and, um, you know, shelters and stuff like that. That's just kind of where AO's heart is right now. That's amazing. I was actually a part of a Christian sorority, not, not quite like that, but. (laughs) No way. Yeah, it was because I went to uh, CSU in Colorado and it was Alpha Delta Chi. So it was like the Christian sorority on campus, but. Nice. See, in Texas, they had those type of sororities at, like, bigger colleges. At community colleges, they had, like, nothing. And I was like, what the crap are we supposed to do? Just, you know, gather around a little table? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I love that you started that then. So what are your current projects that you guys are doing? So right now, um, besides being on the six-month waiting list for our legal stuff, we're trying to do as much much research as we can about the trafficking industry. And basically, I, I kind of thought, like, starting a nonprofit would be easy. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, we'll just get all these donations, and then we'll donate to the people that need it. Well, like, yeah. the, the part 
you know, it was a little frustrating. It's like, where are the people that need it? Like, you hear about them everywhere all the time, and, but you just can't find them to, like, physically give them the money, you know? And so right now what that looks like is just us doing a lot of research to be able to figure out, like, the specific target audience and the specific people that we need to reach in order to give the money to. Um, and we're doing, as of right now, as of a few days ago, actually, we launched our Bible giveaway. And so some of our leaders have donated Bibles, which are writing in, and we're going to give them away to people um, oh, yeah. on social media. Just as somebody who collects, like, I think I have 18 Bibles, that's the latest count. I was like, I think it's good to do a Bible giveaway to somebody in need. And so um, we kind of launched that, and we're just really about trying to help the people that don't or are less fortunate and don't have the resources that they can to access the Word, access the Lord, access community, and yeah. all those things. Do you think you're going to stay, like, pretty local with that help? Because I know, like, a lot of nonprofits help, like, overseas trafficking. Do you think you're going to stay more in the U.S., or are you just going to, like, target anywhere? You know, that's a good question. We, I don't know, the more that I pray about it, the more that I feel like there's so many girls that are involved in trafficking here in the U.S. that, like, we've not even uncovered yet. And it would be a shame all of our money into other resources that are getting money from like the Tempiva Foundation like other nonprofits like that when there's people yeah. here that are in need of resources money you know whatever and um, I mean it was just today I read it was that I don't know if you follow the Tempiva Foundation or not but they posted this um, thing to their feed talking about this Nashville man who was like the Spider-Man window washer and he has been um, uh, what's it called like um, given 105 years in prison, sentenced to 105 years in prison for child pornography and molestation of these kids that he was, like, friends by window washing. Oh. And it's like right here in the U.S. this stuff is going down and nobody has any idea. And throughout, like, our leadership team, like, on our board of directors and stuff, we have a bunch of girls that are scattered among the U.S., and so if we started doing, like, each state solely by Shirley, you know, like, we could grow in the U.S., but I think for right now, like, the more that I pray about it, the more the Lord's, like, stay where you are. Like, there's so many people that are hurting, that are in need, that, you know, need money, resources, whatever, help even getting out of um, addictions, getting out of, you know, rehab, getting out of shelters, getting out of the industry, like, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be so great. So for women who are listening right now, where can they find All One Ministry and how can they join? So where they can find it, our main, like, source of all of our links and stuff is via our Instagram. And you can go to our Instagram, which is at All One Ministry. And it's all lowercase, all three words, I guess you'd say, just all together, All One Ministry. And from there, you can go to the link in our bio and find our, like, donation link. You can find the link in our bio to join online um, group chats with over, like, thousands of girls in each one. And we actually have a safe haven chat, which we launched a few months ago for girls that are struggling with pornography. And so if you're struggling with porn and you don't have anywhere to turn or you don't have anybody to talk to, like, I know coming from, you know, somebody who has struggled with it in the past, knowing that you have somewhere and someone that you can talk to about it, you know, when you're hiding it from your parents, friends, teachers, like whoever, um, having a group of girls that like is just your security blanket that you can tell and that can encourage you is so helpful and so important. Um, and so we offer all those things for free, all those resources and stuff. All you have to do is just go to our bio and then sign up for our group chats and you're in. And so you have free community, you have Zoom calls, you have Soul Sisters, which is just groups of girls that meet weekly on Zoom. 
And yeah, there's just so much goodness that comes out of AO. And we're just here for a virtual community when you don't really have access to it in person. That is, that's an amazing resource. And I'll have everything linked in the description for those of you who are listening who want to go check that out and utilize those resources. But Cassie, I want to ask you, so the end of every episode of season two, I'm asking the guests this question and you can fill in the blank. So because I trusted God with my heart, I was set free from. Pornography. And I was set from, set free from, honestly, I was set free from the world. Like, if I'm being honest, like, the world had such a a tight grip on me and defining who I was for so long that um, I was just set free from myself and what the world thought of me and everything. Thank you, Jesus. God is so good. Yes, for sure.